Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week it's episode 115, and we're going to talk about making money while you're travelling. I like making money. I do too. Pity we're not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we're in Auckland, and as you might be able to hear in the background, it's um, bucketing down with rain, so my apologies rainy. for any background noise that we get today. It's quite spectacular, actually. I mean, it's been winter for the last few months, and winter isn't very pleasant in general, but this winter's been really dry. Usually Auckland winters are just wet and awful, and you're always walking to work in the rain, and it's shocking, and... It's been a cold one, but it hasn't been a wet one. Mm, that's true. So we are in Auckland, but last weekend we um, headed up to Cape Reinga, which is right at the north of New Zealand. And we had a... It's not even the northernmost point, though. We learned this when we went up there. They've got a whole bunch of new information boards. Mm. The northernmost point is actually, was it three kilometres further north? Yeah. It's quite a lot. Well, three k's, yeah. You can see it from there. It's... Yeah. I don't know. It's don't a long. It's a long way away. It's the furthest headland. Yeah, but, I don't um, think you can really get there very easily, though. No, it's the furthest accessible place. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Smooth. And um, this weekend, today, in fact, we're heading down to Tauranga again in the spaceship. So that's going to be cool. Yeah. Next weekend, we're heading down to Wellington. So yeah, got heaps of cool things happening. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of hours on the road. I think. Well, we do like to travel. It's got to be good. Hey, if you're going to be on in Wellington on the um, 8th and 9th of August, let us know. We're going to be uh, speaking briefly at WordCamp NZ. So that will be geeky. I can't but, believe um, we're going to a WordPress conference. It's going to be awesome. I mean, I'm excited, but I'm not going to tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Just the thousands of people listening. Hi. <laughs> Well, today we're going to talk about making money, because while we don't have 100%, um, I don't know, knowledge about it, it's something that we've been getting quite a few emails about recently, and um, people want to know, how do they stay alive on the road? Well, it's a really important topic. I mean, people ask us all the time, you know, how, how do you finance your travels? And I was reading a blog today, um, extremetelecommute.com, and she wrote a post exactly about this topic. People keep asking, how do you afford it? How do you afford to travel so much? And, you know, I think a lot of people think we have a secret trust fund or, you know, that we're, you know, doing something under the table. But it's not that difficult. You just have to be willing to do some work while you're traveling. Yeah. So we're going to talk about um, both working for other people and working for yourself um, in this episode. But before we go any further, um, here's Sean from Boots and All, who's sponsoring today's show. G'day, my name is Sean Keener. I'm the CEO of the Boots and All Travel Network, and we're really excited to be affiliated with Linda and Craig and their Indie Travel Podcast. The Boots and All Travel Network is a series of about 50 travel websites that is focused on mainly independent travelers, so please come visit us at www.bootsandall.com. That's B-O-O-T-S-N-A-L-L.com. Well, we've been traveling full-time since February 2006, which is about three and a half years now, and we haven't won a lottery yet. No... I think I won a $10 scratch card once. You bought a scratch card? Yeah, oh. ages ago. It didn't help. It didn't really, you know, finance much of our travels. <laughs> I like that quote that says, um, oh, how's it go? Lottery is a tax on people bad at mathematics. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's that, a great one. That works for me. So, yeah, we travel, we work, and we save enough to travel again. And hopefully by the next time we need to stop and work, we're in a different country. That's generally That's, the idea. That's pretty much how it goes for us. Occasionally we've 
got to a country, started working, and not being able to leave because we didn't earn enough to actually leave, leave. the country. <laughs> yep. But uh, most of the time, we arrive in a country, we work pretty hard, try to save, and then go on somewhere else. Yeah, so you're not going to go flying up some corporate ladder doing this. Um, it's probably not your advanced track to success in the corporate world. But that doesn't mean the skills and the expertise that you pick up as you travel aren't worthwhile. Well, that's right. We were talking to a friend last night, and she said that her uncle, I think it was, um, worked for a while, and when he was in his mid-20s or late 20s, he took off and spent a couple of years in uh, South America. And when he came back, the job that he got was because of his time there, because he'd learned to speak Spanish and the skills he'd picked up while away were what was needed in the new job when he Mm -hmm. came home. So travelling can be great for your CV while you're travelling and also when you come back. Yeah. I mean, we've definitely been building our CVs while we've been travelling. It always sounds impressive to say, yeah, yeah, I've taught English in, insert six countries here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, working for someone else is probably the easiest way to make money, and it's certainly the the most secure way. Um, Getting visas, getting work permits, that can be a real hassle, but after that's out of the way, um, you're in, really. Yeah. Um, Work and travel visas are a really good option if you're under 30. Most of them are only available for people under the age of 30, which is a bit of a shame. But it also means that, you know, if you're under 30, you're in. So check out if there are any agreements with another country where you can go and work there for it's usually a year but could mm. be up to two years yeah i know in australia for example if you do a certain amount of time of rural work like fruit picking or working on a farm um, you can get signed off and extend your work and travel visa for another 12 months yeah so a lot so. of travelers work in their regular job and then spend three months fruit picking so that they could stay for another year <laughs> yeah. we had friends who were one was a, a builder and was a nurse but they spent time harvesting they didn't really enjoy it but they did want to stay in australia <laughs> yep in uh, new zealand if you go to the uk the uh, work and travel visa is a bit different you ca- you get your visa for two years but you can only work for half of that time so that's really encouraging people to actually travel and not just go over there and work their butts off mm-hmm. which i think is quite a good system really yeah if britain wasn't so expensive yeah <laughs> Well, some common jobs if you're traveling and working for other people. And we've just mentioned fruit picking, which is really hard work. But seasonal labor, it's always around. Yeah, and accommodation is often included and there's a built-in community and it's a great way to meet people. It can be a really good place to work. Yeah, but just expect some early mornings and aching backs if you're doing uh, picking and packing or you're actually out on the farms. Yeah, I'd also recommend you get in touch with other people who are doing the same job before you start because we've heard some horror stories about people starting work and either getting paid a really terrible wage or um, just getting caught up in a contract which isn't quite what they wanted. So if you can, get on a forum and see if there are other people doing that job and whether the place you're looking at going to is exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. Or at least isn't going to rip you off. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, so whatever um, manual work you're doing, anything from labouring up to retail sales, the skills are pretty much the same internationally. Um, so if you can do it, you can do it. That's right. As long as you can speak the language in the country you're in, you should be fine. Yeah. Um, but the accepted ways of doing things can be somewhat different. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, I was doing a retail job in the UK, and I got told that I sounded like a used car salesperson um, while I was talking to customers. And I was like, what the... But this is how, you know, if I walk into a shop, I want someone who works there to 
say hi and ask if I can help. I don't want to stand looking at shelves for 10 minutes trying to figure it out. And so, yeah, it's just, I don't know, yeah. the way that people shop is yeah, different, different in different countries. Yep, so it's worth looking around and seeing what other people are doing and kind of trying to blend in. Yeah. Another thing to think about is um, health and safety laws. Now, in some countries, they're so much tougher than where you come from. And in other countries, they don't exist to the point where you may be worried for your own life. Yes. Yep. So, yeah, be aware that if you go into a country where health and safety rules are amazingly, incredibly, stupidly over the top, then you might need to pay more attention to what you're doing Mm. and uh, following the rules, or you might get in trouble. And um, if you go into a country where it's not not as, you know, bureaucratic, putting it nicely, as in they don't have any rules about your health and safety, just be aware and look out for yourself a little bit more. Yeah, I'd say make sure that your um, your travel insurance that you've picked up mm. does cover you for, um, for working and, um, you know, any accidents that you have at work, make sure you've got legal cover as well as medical cover. That's a good point. Um, chucked on your insurance. So, yeah, um, think of manual jobs, working in a hostel or working in a hotel or mm-hmm. <clears throat> hospitality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you've worked in any of these areas, then you can probably get a job when you're traveling. Some hostels will want people just to, to work for their room, basically. So you might be able to ask at the desk if they need anyone to work if you're, work, if you're staying at this hostel. I worked in reception in Malta, and um, it wasn't really the best job ever. Yeah, don't think I'd do it again. No, that was hotel reception, eh? It was hotel reception. Yeah. Um, I think it's just a good example of how things are done differently in different countries. For example, in New Zealand, it's a legal requirement that you have to have breaks, you know, every so many hours. Not so in Malta. They can just work you to the ground and uh, not even allow you a toilet break. That was fun. That does sound fun. (laughs) Today's challenge, 12-hour shift, no toilet break. Your time starts now. Um, If you're looking to uh, travel with a skilled job like nursing or teaching, um, you're probably going to be in luck because everyone always needs nurses and teachers. That's right. And um, there's always, always, always temp work. So find yourself a good local agency get on their books, and um, wait for the 6 o'clock phone calls to start coming in because someone's called in sick. Yay. Yay. The trick, however, is making sure your qualifications are recognised in your destination country because if you show up somewhere planning to do nursing work or teaching work and they say, nope, we don't recognise your qualification at all, then it might make life a bit difficult for you. Mm, That's true. And so I guess since we just talked about teaching, this is where we get to talk about teaching English to people that don't speak it. That's right. Um, ESOL or ESL or however else you want to call it. Yeah, teaching English has been our primary way of earning money while we've been traveling. And we've spoken about it in depth a couple of times on the podcast. So you can check the archives for details on what qualifications you need and how to find jobs as an ESL teacher. Yeah, ESL teaching is a popular job for heaps of reasons, eh? I mean, it's quite flexible. Mm -hmm. Um, You can get both short and long-term contracts. There's often quite a bit of work going, so you can pretty much walk into work on very short notice. Um, Sometimes we've rung up and introduced ourselves on the morning and got a job offer by the afternoon before we've even been met by anyone. Um, So... 
with the right qualifications, a bit of experience. There's work around, it pays reasonably well, and there's no heavy lifting. That's right. And one of the most useful things I think about teaching English is that you don't need to know any other languages. So wherever you're traveling, where people want to learn English, which is most of the world, you should be able to find a job. However, you do need to be prepared to look in advance. If you're wanting a longer contract, you should definitely look a bit closer at the kind of place where you're signing up to. And um, some places won't hire you for short contracts. You really do have to sign up for a year or six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so another way to work and travel, and this one's a bit of a tricky one, is convince your current boss that you can be just as productive if you never step into the office. Mm-hmm. And if you can, negotiate your hours of work on either a project basis or try and cut it down because you don't want to be doing 40 hours a week of work if you're traveling around. If you can cut it down to 20 and still have a reasonable salary and never actually have to go to the office, that's the ultimate telecommute, isn't it? Totally. You're to- totally in. So I've just been talking lots about working for other people, and the thing that you need when you're traveling overseas is a visa. Yes. Now, most of the time, you actually need a job to get a working visa. You can't just apply for a working visa and say, you know, hey, I'm going to get a job when I show up. You can do it, but you're likely to get bounced back. Um, So you normally need a sponsor, someone who's willing to employ you. Definitely get in touch with your um, local embassy of the countries that you're wanting to visit and just kind of sniff around and find out what's available. Another trick is to see if your your job has a branch in another country. So if you're working for a corporation that has branches in several other countries and you want to visit one of those countries, see if you can get a transfer. Then your boss is likely to organise the, the transfer and hopefully they'll sponsor you to go there. <laughs> yeah, that would be lovely. Um, that's much more, I don't know, working and travelling rather yeah. than travelling and working, though. But, yeah. hey, it's working all the same in another goal. country is still travelling. Yeah, I guess so. I'll, uh, yeah. I mean, sure, I you, you go over there and you work for six months <laughs> and you take a great big, nice, long holiday. Yeah, you, know, you get that so nice, long holiday and yeah. that's the trick. Yeah. Before we go on and talk about working for yourself, uh, here's another message from Sean and our sponsors, Boots and All. G'day, this is Sean from Boots and All again, and we're at about the halfway point for today's Indie Travel Podcast. I wanted to share with you a part of Boots and All that I thought many of you would enjoy. It's called Boots and All Today. We feature 10 to 15 travel news and travel feature articles from around the web every day. Come check it out at www.bootsnall.com slash today. Cheers. So, working for yourself. Well, working for yourself is one of the most desired, but also probably one of the most difficult ways to earn money as you travel. Yeah, I mean, hour for dollar, you're probably going to be better off working for someone else. Oh, definitely. Certainly in the setup time. I mean, eventually you might get to the place where you're making money hand over fist, but uh, most people I've talked to who are working for themselves earned about 50 cents an hour, 10 cents an hour for the first several thousand hours. (laughs) Several thousand hours, that sounds scary. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, working for someone else is going to be less stressful and more secure. But the advantage of working for yourself, like 
all small businesses really. It's it's no different if you travel. Um, the advantage is freedom, or at least the idea of freedom. That's right. There are a couple of hot new terms on the block: digital nomad or LIP, location independent professional. So. Yeah. What are they? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, a digital nomad is someone who um, who telecommutes, basically. But instead of telecommuting from home, they can telecommute from anywhere, um, whether they're at a beach, in a cafe. Um, they might not even have an office. Like, they might have a company of 20 people, and everyone just communicates using VoIP programs, um, shared documents online. And, um, you know, they might get together every now and again as they pass through each other's city. So they're working, they're working together, um, but, you know, they're not anywhere. And what's an LIP? Well, LIP, Location Independent Professional, these are people that um, work for themselves, often in professional services, and um, location independent, doesn't matter where they are, so... Um, where a digital nomad might be, say, um, a salesperson, and he has his or her city to go around and do the sales in, a location-independent professional doesn't have to be in any geographical place. So they can do the same work whether they're in Thailand or Las Vegas. So what kind of work do location-independent professionals and digital nomads do? Well, I was thinking about a list of some of the kind of successful small businesses and, you know, location-independent jobs that you can do. So let's have a look through them. Mm -hmm. Um, First one for us would be travel writing. Yeah, that's kind of a big one. Yeah. So you can travel and write about it. In fact, that's not even location-independent, really. It's you must travel. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, how do you do your job? Yeah, Yeah. so um, travel writing's... A tough, 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 yeah. tough, tough market. Um, it's easy to write, um, but it's very difficult to find someone to pay you to do it. Yes. Well, what about other writing? Um, well, there's other writing. I mean, most writing jobs, if you're a novelist, a poet, a screenwriter, um, there's often no real need to be in one place that's right um if you're doing team writing you can collaborate online um and so yeah you can just write and travel and i suppose things like editing and proofreading is also fitting into that category yeah definitely um graphic design as you said editing um all that kind of creative writing stuff um, film editing, if you've got a powerful enough laptop and um, very, very good internet speeds, it's, it's possible. Yeah, also other website stuff. One of our mates has a great website and he's just making money off it. It's It's gone big and uh, he's making money mostly off ad sales and other things like that. So that's yeah. quite a good way. He doesn't have to be anywhere. In fact, he's traveling the world trying to find somewhere to live. He says he can't quite afford to live in Britain, which is where he's from, but he can afford to live anywhere where living costs are about 80% of uh, Britain, which is most of the world. Yeah. Most I don't think he's going to quite <laughs> fit in. But <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, the trick that he did is he did a lot of work three years ago, and he's living off that. He wrote a, a very popular program, and people are still using it. He does six months' work and updates it every couple of years, and then... 
picks up his suitcase and just keeps wandering around. So yeah. it's pretty awesome. Um, website sales, website marketing, um, affiliate programs, things like that. I mean, there's heaps of things you could do. Online publishing, being a virtual assistant, um, doing stock or property investments, if you're good at it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, then again, you could play pool and make money off it, or um, and poker. Yeah, heard about people making uh, making money off poker, but uh, I wouldn't do it. But if you're very good at it, well, no, you'd lose money at poker. <laughs> I would. Someone has to. That's why I'm not doing it as a job. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and then other kind of coaching and teaching professional services like consulting, um, business coaching, professional coaching. Um, you try your hand at therapy. It's it's around. It's experimental, but mm. it's around. Um, I don't know if I'd want a virtual therapist. That doesn't uh, doesn't really appeal to me. No. And um, yeah, so that kind of there's heaps of things that you can do. Um, Craig asked on Twitter if anyone had any ideas, and uh, some that came up were travel agent, mortgage broker, customer services rep, collection agent, bookkeeper, project managers. Medical transcriptionist, that's a good one. Online trainers. There's so many options. Yeah, so um, thanks to at Gwen McCauley on Twitter who um, really helped me brainstorm a lot of these ideas. That was awesome. Excellent. I think all these jobs are possible because of the 24-7 global and online world of the internet. I mean, the internet makes so many things possible. Yeah, I mean, it would be very hard to be a, an online copy editor, for example, if there was no online. This is true. Although you could still be a location-independent copy editor. It just requires going to the post office. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot. Now, there's lots of complications when you're working for yourself as opposed to you know, working for someone else that you really have to think about when you're planning and strategizing you know, how you're going to fund your travels as you go. Um, things like tax can get really mm. complicated if you're switching countries every couple of months. Um, your business structure, your um, legal liability, these are all kind of small business problems that you need to think about. It's nothing that can't be overcome, but it can be a little bit more complex if you're, uh, if you're switching countries and switching laws all the time. It might be worth talking to a lawyer or a small business advice person just to find out where the law stands and what you're planning on doing. And you can also spend more time trying to find work than actually working, oh, yeah. which really robs you of your travel time. You know, mm. um, you're trying to maybe drum up sales or another client when you could be, I don't know, out hiking in the wilderness. This is true. Well, before we close up the show, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Boots and All. I don't know if Sean would want to be labelled location independent, but <laughs> considering know. how many times we've met him and how many countries that's been in, met him twice in two different countries. <laughs> well, you might yeah. as well be. Um, well, here's Sean again. G'day, this is Sean from the Boots and All Travel Network, and we're excited to be continuing sponsors of the Indie Travel Podcast. Today I wanted to talk about one of our online travel guides called Amsterdam Log. And as far as I can tell, I encourage Craig and Linda and all the listeners out there to check it out. It is the best English language travel guide to Amsterdam on the web. I have not been able to find anything better. Please, if you do, let me know by emailing me, sean at bootsandall.com. But check it out, Amsterdam, L-O-G-U-E dot com. Cheers. I hope the show's helped you get some ideas for um, making money as you travel and what might and might not work for you. 
but if you've got any better ideas, please let me know, because I'd like to steal them from you. You mean pass them on to our listeners? No, I mean steal them from them. (laughs) (laughs) Yoink! Well, now that we've spoken about money, I'm sure people would want to know how much we're making from the podcast, the magazine, and all the other things we're doing. Well, let's put it this way. You're still teaching full-time. That's right. We've got a kind of got a got a balance of the uh, two: working for someone else and working for ourselves. Yeah. As in, I'm working for someone else, and Craig is working for ourselves. Yeah. Or at least he's pretending and, to. <laughs> I think he spends all his time sitting on the couch and eating Pringles, but he assures me this is not the case. And while Linda's teaching is enough to pay our bills, it's not enough to buy Pringles. So you know, you just can't win, can you? <laughs> we'd, I mean, ideally, we'd really like to make the site and the magazine our full-time jobs. Next year, we hope to just not have to find work with other people, just be able mm-hmm. to travel and have the podcast, and, you know, that'd be great. Yeah, and we'd really like to be able to pay the authors that are writing for the site and for the magazine, the people doing photography and stuff. We'd like to be able to give them a reasonable uh, compensation as well. Yeah, we're definitely not there yet, but yeah, we're getting there. Getting there, getting there. Hey, if you are keen to support our work, why don't you grab yourself an Indie Travel Podcast t-shirt or hoodie, which you can get from the site. Um, You buy the t-shirt, it's at a fair price. We get a couple of bucks, but you advertise this and help us build our audience. Um, If you want a free way to help us build our audience, leave a five-star review on the iTunes store. And um, yeah, more ears, the, the better it is for us. You could also pick up a subscription to the Indie Travel Podcast magazine. Like the podcast, it'll be free online, but you can buy a print subscription for only 36 New Zealand dollars a year, which is really good value. Yeah, it's awesome. So anyway, we're all about travel, not about asking you for money. <laughs> and may that always be true. Um, so if you have any travel, travel tips you want to share, any ideas or any questions about your plans, then drop us an email, mail at IndieTravelPodcast.com or use the contact form at IndieTravelPodcast.com. Sweet as. Well, thanks again to Boots and All, and until next week, travel well.